Magic.me is the world's greatest school for magic, meditation, and mysticism. You can learn everything there, from chaos magic to hermeticism to meditation to how to supercharge your finances and take absolute control of your destiny. In short, you get all of the tools you need to turn chaos into beautiful, scintillating order and master your life. It's incredible. You've probably heard me talk about it on the show quite a lot, but check it out. It's growing fast. And I just want to say, if you're confused about where to start, because I have so many courses there, the Adept Initiative is the place to go. The Adept Initiative is the flagship course on magic.me, and it contains everything you need to know to master the most profound ancient techniques of changing your consciousness and the most modern and cutting edge tools and systems for absolutely turning your life into a masterpiece. You are really going to dig it. Go check it out, and I will see you in class. It's magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot M-E. So I talked about this at the Magic Summit. I was the person who had been through all the systems and is now just reading Vedanta alone in my room. <laughs> um, yeah, that happened. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like the peak of Enochian magic is just throwing everything into the well. But I, that was kind of the peak moment that it started to happen. And there's a question at the end of this, but I had still maintained that same friend group that I had had. You know, some of us have left the OTL, some of us haven't, et cetera, et cetera. And I found uh, there there was this, I, I, I call it the bullshit bell, where there was like this really like truthful part of me that is like, no, you just need to surrender that and throw it into the well. This is just like not necessary. And it was just like, it wasn't even a part of my ego telling me that. It was like the universe telling me that like everything had just been like you you just you don't need this anymore and that it started the OTO. um well the, everything basically yeah, you're just and yeah, I okay, got it. that is like this like definitive bullshit filter to see what i i i should do that was kind of more in line with that more non-dual ultimate truth that i had started to sort of integrate but the main thing that i'd started to notice that i felt bad about was my friend group where we would always meet up and have five, six hour long talks about and have 20 books open and five tarot decks and talk about freighter or cod spreads, just all this, you know, yeah. crazy, awesome stuff. But I, there was this really deep part of me that was like, man, this is just bullshit. Like you could be meditating right now. You could be doing something a lot more simple. That's going to have a lot more basic things. And it's, it's not even the thing that's bullshit, but it was the attachment to those said things that was just not really forming any kind of like completion spectrum. So I had over the last few months, I've really just started to like not reply or just not really hang out with those people a lot anymore. Like, am I a dick for that? For just being like, I just, it's not that I'm like, Oh, I've realized and fuck you. And it's not, oh, that. Man. it's just that I just don't feel a need for that. You're just in another place in your life. It's fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, I, I, I went through all the same shit, you know, when I was 26. Uh, same, same exact shit. So, um, yeah, you can't, it, it's, I'll give you my take on the OTO, right? It's like, there is a true OTO, right? The, the one true order. Uh, and, uh, it's the, 
And, and when I say OTO, like I actually say OTO, but the OTO in, from, in my mind is a shorthand for all outer occult orders. Mm-hmm. Right. So it could be whatever, you know. Um, the, in the, the, in the, there, there's the true OTO is like that core group of friends that you make and you're having these intense exchanges and these big transformative experiences and you're you're often projecting uh onto them like oh i want to be like that person or or you're, you have mentors you're looking up to people you're learning about life from them one of the by, by the way one of the best things about a cult group especially for young guys if it's a good group is you just learn life skills from other people and you you learn how to you learn particularly and one of the greatest things and one of the most important things about whether it's a coal groups or masonry, but a coal groups are more fun. Let's face it. Um, uh, is that you meet people from totally different walks of life yeah. that you wouldn't normally interact with. And, and that's in a way it's like, you know, I was getting, I was, I was talking about Ishtar and Babylon. It's like all true initiation happens on the wrong side of the tracks. It really does. It, or fairyland, or, you know, the dark side of the street. It's like you got to go to the place that more normal people are scared to go. And then you meet cool people there. Uh, but you're, you it is clandestine and secret in that sense, not because there's something secret, but because it's outside. You're, you have to go and put yourself in a place that is outside of the normal rules. And, and that's, it's so important. And, but, you know, the, 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 the OTO, the OTO comes and goes, you know, it's like Crowley talks about in the equinox, there's like the, the period of speech and the period of silence where the equinox is being published for 10 years and then not for 10, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So in the same way, the OTO is eternal in a sense, but, um, you know, the eternal order, the Templar order, whatever the fuck you want to call it, right? The Rose of the Invisible College, whatever. It doesn't matter. It, It always exists. And, um, but I suspect that everyone who goes through it in a true way has pretty much the same experience. Mm-hmm. And part of the experience is to graduate. And those who do not graduate are forced out. Ah, uh, yeah. And that's when, when the rest of your life begins. And the, those who stay end up as administrators. Yeah, or just stuck catering to the lodge, answering the same questions for 20 plus years, which is like, that's a very noble intent. But I, sure. I'm i glad you said that because I felt well, look like at my me, life right? started. Look yeah. at me in a sense, right? Like I'm here answering the same questions. Yeah. You know, but I do it, I do it, for, I, I do it intentionally, right? Yeah. It's my job, right? This is my job. It's my day job. Yeah. And uh, that's pretty cool, I think. <laughs> but yeah. it's still a job. Right. You know, like who I am in terms of magic.me has very little to do with my own personal interests and where I'm at. And my, my own challenges at this stage of my life as a 39 year old, you know, the life challenges that I'm going through or things that I, you know, but, uh, uh, <laughs> but, um, that has nothing to do with this. This is, I'm playing, I'm doing a job and it's a really important job, but it's still a job. And if I wasn't doing it, somebody else would be doing the same job. Right. So, um, I think it's important. I don't know. I'm, you know, whatever. I hope my job is important. Everyone does. But, um, the, so in a sense, I'm in the same position where I'm administrating, but I've, I've done it in such a way that I can, I control it. I'm not, you know, answering to somebody else. Um, but cause I don't like that shit. 
yeah. but uh um you know and so so you know for those you know it's like imagine being bill breeze right and dealing with the same 21 year old with the same um you know beliefs that he's the reincarnation of Crowley and the frustrated and you know that he's going to be the greatest guitarist since Jimmy Page and yes. just like dealing with that guy again and again for like 30 years uh, right thanks. yeah and it's like but that but he chose to do that and so that's his job that's a job that he has I don't know what his day job is I think he's a professor or something or other something but um yeah. he uh um, th these are administrative roles. And so in general, you want to avoid administrative roles. And that's kind of the funny thing of it, where it's like, particularly young guys, when they get attracted to magic, they're like, oh, like, I want to be like the top degree. And I want to be like the best ever in this, that. And I want to be like the Magus and the Aeon. It's like, no, you don't. You really don't. You really don't. It's like, you're just, you're just young enough that like, you're looking at your teachers and thinking that like, they're the be all end all and you want to be like them one day. It's like, you know, we probably all had somebody we looked up to when we were young that we wanted to be. And then, you know, we're 30 and you're like, fuck man. It's like, you know, like the cool guy in school, it's like, geez, man. or like, you know, you look at like some musicians used to idolize. It's just like, God damn, imagine living like that when you're the same age as they are when, when they were, you thought they were really cool. So, um, it's not quite that dramatic. It's just, it's just a job, right? It's um, the point of magic is to know yourself, to, to do your will, to achieve your will. And that's different for everyone. And, and um, I, I think it would be better maybe to just, you know, figure that out and do it rather than ending up in some type of administrative role. And so I think that um, unless you happen to be called to such as myself, right? So I think that, um, this is a critical experience. Look, everyone, everyone, I, everyone either graduates from the outer order or gets kicked out. And if they hang on, then they get kicked out and they'll be thankful for it later. Yeah. And, and that just seems to be the way that it works. And, um, because here's how I looked at it. Right. So, you know, the book, um, which, which of the holy books is it, which, which one of the holy, the class A documents is about the, uh, the history of the Rosicrucian order. It's like, one oh, that's the, that's the history lection that they give you as a probation yeah. of the AA. It's like library XC, XC or something yeah. like that. Yeah, uh, Porta Lucis, library Porta Lucis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that so in in, in, yeah. It took me a second in library Porta Lucis you know, it talks about how, you know, the current of initiation leaves temples and then they become shallow, they become husks uh, and fall into dead ritual once the initiating current is gone. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. So it's totally true, right? It's like, for instance, Freemasonry. And so, but here's the, here's the rub, right? The current never truly leaves. It may just be hard to find. So even in something like Freemasonry, the current is still there. You just won't be able to find anyone to talk to about it, most likely. But the thing still works to initiate. How? Fuck yeah. it, I know. <laughs> right? right? So, Agreed. Agreed. Um, <laughs> what? Somebody's phantom laughing voices? Yeah, that, that wasn't me. That was weird. Um, so... What is going on? What are these fucking witch cackles going on in the background? God, fuck, don't fuck with me. Whoever that is. <laughs> I know spells. 
All right. Um, to circle so, back to the question, I guess you answered it. Yeah, yeah I remember. Yeah. So, so when the when you get the experience, then it's time to move on. Move on. Those who don't move on uh, get stuck, mm -hmm. and um, the current leaves them. So, uh, and and you have to in the magical path. You have to be willing to give. You have to be willing to let people go. You have to be willing to let everything go. That goes without saying. But uh, I'll just say that in life, my my experience. People tend to never be as attached to you as you are to them. Yep, absolutely. Because that's just how attachment works. It's like positive and negative, right? And so, so it may, like you may be agonizing on whether or not you want to be in someone's life, and they they may not care at all, uh, or not as much. And I actually think it's uh, the opposite that they are like constantly trying to get information out of me, or talk to me, or do stuff with me, and I'm just like, I would much rather just like sit here. Like I'm comfortable abiding in the sustenance and comfort of like the self instead of trying to get like social currency out of talking about occult things in a group of people for extended periods. Right. Well, that's exactly it, right? Social currency. So there's a there's a great book. You might even know this, know this book. It's a great book for Thelemites called um, what's that fucking guy that used to post on Lash Lash Tall all the time? Uh, do you know? Lash oh, uh, Freighter E I O one thirty one. No, no, no. Uh, Freighter Shiva. Oh yeah, yeah. So Freighter Shiva, he wrote two books. I don't know if they're still available. He was like this crazy fucking acid head who created this rogue OTO in the 60s. Yeah. The, Sol the Solar Lodge guy, right? Yeah, Between yeah, Brayton yeah. Solar Lodge, Charles Manson, wackos. But uh, so Freighter Shiva, he wrote, he wrote a book inside, inside the Solar Lodge, Outside the Law. That book is fucking nuts. It is great. It is just deranged. Uh, it's just about people like fucking doing like katana fighting on acid and shit like this and like running this OTO lodge. They were on acid every day for like seven years running a full swing OTO lodge because like the head of the lodge was a dentist at USC and he'd get drugs for free or some crazy shit. And it was a total mindset cult. And it was just like, you know, from run by ex-Scientologists. It's just like total fucking madness, total madness. And not necessarily in a good way either. It's just like, and then they all started huffing either. And doing the I Ching and like the I Ching told them to go to Mexico. So they went to Mexico, like full huffing either. And it's like, and then the whole boy in the box thing happened. It's just total fuck. It's just like total fucking, hey, they did it though. Um, but he wrote a second book that was like a guide to magic, which is actually really good. Um, called, um, fuck, there's a PDF of it somewhere online. So it's Inside Solar Lodge Behind the Veil. God damn, that book is deranged. Uh, oh, it's fucking a hundred dollars now. Geez, I got it when it first came out. Uh, it's just like a print on demand. Oh, Blazing Diamond. Okay, Blazing Diamond. So in Blazing Diamond, he talks about. Oh, that's not that expensive. Okay, so in Blazing Diamond, he talks about um, the inner and the outer order. Um, and he he's like one of these boomer. He's like like super boomer mode, but he um, has this great phrase where he says it's like so well put. He says that the people in the outer order are people that are appear to be practicing leaving the matrix he says the matrix and all that okay whatever he says the people in the outer order are people who are practicing techniques to appear to be practicing techniques to leave the matrix but in actuality are playing a new social sub game where they are gathering social currency around 
these ideas or practices. Yeah. And it's a hundred, it's a hundred percent true. A great, a great demonstration of that is I'm sure you've seen the movie, the Holy mountain. Oh yes. Yeah. The Pantheon bar. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, that about sums everything up right there. Yeah. Uh, but that's exactly it. Right. It's like the Pantheon bar. It's like, you, you want to look, I, I went up the Holy mountain and then I didn't know what to do. So I came down and set up a shop at the Pantheon bar. Yeah. But I actually give sell maps to the up the up the mountain. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I don't recommend it. But um, but that's exactly it. I mean, like, yeah, anyone who hasn't seen the Holy Mountain, watch that movie. It's so fucking on point. But that's exactly it, you know. And it's like, look, look. Uh, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, twenty five. Yeah, man. Like I was twenty six when I went through this. So like, you know, your friends in your twenties. Like they're not going to be your friends in your thirties. I, I hate to break it to you. It's people drift really fast. When you're in your early twenties, you form really intense friendships, mm-hmm. really intense, uh, uh, more intense than any other time in your life, perhaps, because you're away from your family and you're desperately uh, seeking to re- to rebuild that sense of family cohesion without even realizing it. Yeah, yeah. And that's a big part of what people do, and so in secret societies, right? But um, mm-hmm. they're not your family. And uh, people are on their own tangents and their own trajectories. And uh, you may maintain friendships. Uh, you can always go back to talk to them. But people tend to end up in very, very different, very different places by their 30s. And I can't vouch for 40s or beyond, but I'm sure people, other people can, you know, like so. Um, and I think it's, I think that just there's a general thing in life that everyone would agree on, whether it's a cult or not, that it's like, Particularly, like the older you get, the less friends you want. You're like good with like fucking. You know, I'm at the point where I'm like, I'm fine to just not leave the house. I want to live in a suburban bubble. I don't give a fuck. You know, like yeah, that's like, that's me right now. And I I felt bad for that because I was like, I'm fine just like, well with, with this. Young man, you think that's you right now, but in actuality, it's not because you've only been through what you what's happened is you've been through the the cycle of the the occult, right? You've been through that era of your life. But now you have to develop a career in the real world. Yeah. And and that will be its own whole fucking thing. And as you may discover, uh, very frustratingly, all the badges and points you collected in the in the occult world don't mean shit in the real world. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're an impediment because all, all that time you spent learning the occult, other people spent doing things like getting a law degree and you know, getting a mortgage. <laughs> It's really true. Look, it's not like it, the occult doesn't give you like more juice than other people, right? It's just another thing you can do with your life. So all the juice, if you think about, think about all, I'm sure it's considerable, right? If you just think about for a second, all the energetic, intellectual, spiritual, physical, soul level output that you put into the occult, right? That's probably a fucking lot, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a lot, yeah. a lot. So imagine putting that into real estate investing. Yeah. Because that's what other people yeah, Or did. anything, or or anything, because that energy right. uh, knows no bounds. But Yeah, because that's what other people did. And, uh, yeah. and uh, it's the same amount of energy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so this is a really critical turning point in your life. And uh, you will need to decide who you want to be. Because even non-dual, even non-dual, 
realization, right, as you now know, doesn't give get you anything. Non-dual realization just means that you are awake, which is great. Uh, human life would be pointless without it. Yeah. It's just like, you know, it's like there's whole villages in India that are non-dual realized. Mm -hmm. You can talk to Indians, even, you know, Indians in America, too. It's like, like, but you have to understand that it's like, this is like the great irony of the occult. It's like, you know, we're, you're, we're, you know, the, the, the states that you're talking about, the, the Danta states, the non-dual states, selfing into the self. Um, that's considered like the entry level for being human in a lot of parts of India. And in Western occultism, we'll like do all this crazy fucking like Anokian and all this fucking shit like just to get you to a point where they essentially consider you non-retarded in India. And that's not from like an elitist sense. It's just that like, I, I feel in my interactions, particularly with, hopefully I'm not being orientalist, but I think this is a true statement. I feel very much in my interactions with people from India, Asia, Southeast Asia, Thailand, particularly that it's like, they, they kind of look at Westerners like cats with their whiskers cut off. Mm -hmm. Like what the fuck happened to you guys? You're so like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You're like driving drunk all that. It's like, you're literally doing the equivalent of driving drunk through life. You, you don't even like, you're totally like have the lights off and that you're running around with nuclear weapons and crashing your car into shit. And it's just like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? You know, basically. Yeah. Well, I mean, over there, people are like memorizing verses of the Gita when they're like eight years old. So, yeah, but it's not even like, that. Well, well sure. Yeah. You know, but those are just the cultural trappings. It's just the fundamental realization. Right. Um, yeah. And, but yeah, and it's like, uh, like I was at it like a, maybe 10 years ago, I was at a bar in downtown LA uh, called La Cita, which was Lady Gaga's favorite bar at the time, uh, although she was not there. And I got really fucking blackout drunk. And it was my birthday. Like, here's a, actually, this is good for you. So your friends, whether your friends are your friends or not, you, friends you think you're, you're, you're your friends like all my friends from work my friends from high school 20s like i had like maybe like 20 friends showed up i got real fucking blackout drunk and then i looked around and they were all gone they'd all left me there blackout drunk and i was talking to these like this like thai uh just trans thai boy and like three his three friends are all from thailand and they thought i was irish because apparently i slur like i'm irish and i'm drunk and I had this, it was having a great conversation with them about like, you know, like all this stuff. And we weren't talking about spirituality or anything like that. But like after about 30 minutes of this, they looked at me and they were like, you're what? Like, it, like, they're like, huh? like, how do you have your, is basically like, how do you have the lights on? Like, what the fuck white boy? It's like, we weren't talking about spirituality or anything. They were just like, eh? Like how, how, how do you have any type of, uh, I, I don't remember exactly what they said, but it was basically implied. It's like, how do you have any level of self-awareness? And I'm like, well, you know, I, this, that, and the other, you know, I've been kind of interested. I went to India, all this stuff. And they're like, oh, well, that's fucking weird, man. Cause uh, you're like the first, you know, like white people aren't like that normally. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> so, uh, and then I think I woke up like blacked out. This, this very, very sweet trans, trans white ended up taking me home and letting me, letting me stay in his like downtown loft, like on the floor. And when I woke up like so drunk, oh my, or hungover, it was fucking awful. Yeah. So there you go. That's what realization gets you. Yeah. Um, so now you have to, so, so, but here's the great thing though. 
is that going back into Western Western magic, having had a realizer experience and then going back into Western magic, unlike Eastern techniques, Western magic actually works real well for interfacing with Western reality. And that's one of the reasons why I teach it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, you can use it to get through Western reality. You can use it to get a job and go up a career ladder and all that. And also, um, secret societies teach you excellent life skills, like um, following directions, reading critically, um, finishing things that you said you would start, uh, showing up on time. Like this stuff is really important. There was a great essay written by, I forget his name. He's one of these heretic OTO dudes. Do you know who David Jones is? David Richard Jones, the Enochian guy. You've got to know that. Oh, yeah. yeah, I think I have one of his PDFs. Uh, you don't know, no fucking David Richard Jones is like the Enochian OTO dude. Um, anyways, uh, he's, he's uh, considered a heretic from the OTO. One of his friends wrote this essay. It was really on point where he said that um, he, he did a class analysis of secret societies. And he said that what's actually happening in secret societies, he thinks, is it's... Um, what you actually have happening under the surface of all the occult games is it's they're pre- predominantly working class organizations, right? Without yeah. a, without question, and um, the people who end up in administrative roles tend to be middle class, just like in or at least until recently in the corporate world. Now the middle class is is, is technically is essentially working class, right? Um, you know, middle-class status doesn't count for much in America anymore. But what you had, it was, you know, it's like, you know, middle-class people or upper middle-class, not upper, but middle-class people end up kind of in, in management roles in companies, right? So, so that's mirrored in the occult world. And what's actually happening there is the middle-class educating, is, is working-class people who have become middle-class educating working-class people into the middle-class. That's yeah. actually yeah. what's happening in secret societies. And I thought that was spot on. I'm like, yeah, that's totally fucking true in my, my experience. And um, what are they teaching people? They're teaching them all the stuff that I said, you know, like how to read, how to read critically, how to, how to follow tasks, how to complete what you started, all this stuff. So um, how to not be uh, uh, like a total wacko, you know, like there's a big premium put on that in good secret societies where they teach you how to be a normal fucking person, right? Uh, if they're working well, and then they have the examples of people who haven't, you know, always, and, um, you know, then the people who are just spent out on meth or whatever. So I thought that that was a very, uh, it just really opened my eyes. And, and he was, I think the writer was pointing out that um, he was hoping that people would re- attain to a bit more class consciousness and stop buying into the idea that, he was essentially counseling people to lose hope that their efforts were going to bring them out of somehow like allow them to transcend their, their class role. Right. Now I don't, I don't really agree with that. What I do think instead though, is that if you take all of the skills you learned in the occult world and then apply them to the world of samsara, like if you can go into a job and see it, like all jobs are like in secret societies, corporate jobs are like secret societies. We work on the same fucking dynamics and you can use yeah, all so that stuff. The music and, industry. Yeah, I'm sure, right? Particularly Rick uh, Rubin. I mean, God knows, fuck, it's probably literal in the case of the music industry. Um, but uh, 
Um, and that doesn't mean like running around doing spells. It just means using your focus and, and more than the focus, the ability to master and work with systems, mm-hmm. you know, it's like I was in your here. I'll, I'll say I was in your place, ex- your exact shoes, right? I've been through Enochian. I went through the, then I, you know, I went through the Vedanta. I ended up losing all of my stuff in the world. I got, I got in, was ended up in Canada. I lost my job. Then I got kicked out of Canada. I had nothing. I had nothing but a, a trash bag with a Shiba Trishul and a hard drive in it and the clothes on my back. I lost the clothes and I lost the hard drive. I also had the secret key to the book of the law in the, um, the, the literal secret key to the book of the law that is talked about. The RP Stovall one was in the trash bag. And I just left it on the G train in New York. So I was like, nah, this is a fucking illusion too. Fuck this. I'm so it's a real story. And, and, and so the only thing I ended up with in the end was the Trishul because the hard drive broke. And anyways, um, but um, so I lost everything at the end of the occult, except my own non-dual awareness. And um, then after I got an apartment to live in, I literally walked into an ad agency on Madison Avenue and said, Hey, um, I, I, you know, reframe, shall we say my background. Uh, and I literally, I literally walked into an ad agency on Madison Avenue and said, can I intern for you for free? I've written a book and I said, sure. So I interned for free for three months and then I got a job. And then I was a, I was a, a corporate high, high powered corporate copywriter for working like doing ad campaigns for like Walmart and uh, um, Coke and Marriott and uh, all these, you know, like all this shit, Scotland. I had, and then like a few months later, I had a billboard up in Times Square. (laughs) But once you've been through the occult, then you can just look at, it's not a, it's not a big trick. You just see, well, these are just other systems that can be worked with just like a Nokia or just like any of this other stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're all illuminated by the same realization. Yeah, yeah. 100%. But the tricky bit is you have to understand that you have to play by the, their rules. Whenever you end, the occult is a game. Jobs are games. Mm-hmm. You don't get to break their rules. Yeah. You have to play the systems by their rules still. Just because you're realized doesn't mean that you get the ability to fuck with other people's systems. And the thing that will kill it, particularly is if you find yourself trying to wake other people up that breaks oh yeah no that's a lesson in futility right there yeah well yeah it can be a lesson in your life so if you as long as you are very quiet which i could never be which is why i'm here and not running it running i could have been at the creative director of you know bbdo or something by now but instead i'm here because i can't keep my mouth shut because i never learned that power of the sphinx Mm. Uh, so here I am. The last one, yeah. <laughs> right, that's the important one. But here we are. Um, the uh, but I like it because I'm more free now. So that counts for a lot. Uh, that would really suck to be like a fucking alcoholic admin. But it's all just games. So as long as you're willing, you can enter any game you like with your awareness. You can enter any game you like. And as long as you're willing to play by their rules, then you get to keep your consciousness as long as it's not a game that requires you to be asleep. And those do exist. As long as you don't. Fucking doors are opening in my house. <laughs> got cackling witches. We got doors opening with like wind coming in. You hear that? It's the fucking wind. Um, 
you get what I'm saying. As long as you're willing to play yeah. by the rules, you can do whatever you want. But you do have to decide that and you have to commit to it because you're now at a point in your life where um, you need to stop drifting because time is limited. Consciousness may, may not be, but time is limited. And uh, you, it's time to choose. It's time to choose what you want to do with your life and stick with it and build power within it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that's your next task in life, right? And and your friends aren't going to come with you from the occult world. Yeah. But that's okay. Yeah, I think so. Because otherwise, you'd be oh. overriding their will, anyways. Oof. Yeah. No, that's. That's the worst thing. One thing I will say that being in those organizations did help more than anything else was conflict resolution that I just wanted to touch on. Because try to put a bunch of thelemites in a room and get them to agree on something. (laughs) Do they rules lawyer? Do they like, well, in this book, it says this and that type of shit. Oh, yeah. Well, they all have like 50 memorized Crowley quotes that they're just ready to like sling out there like a preacher on the streets. It's like, great. So Crowley said that Crowley was a fucking heroin addicted child molester. So fucking what? Yeah. Yeah. So what? Yeah. You know, he's just another guy. He wrote a lot of stuff down really well, but he didn't Mm -hmm. fucking create this. He's just another guy who went through the same shit that everyone here is going through. He was very, very good at writing him down. He's an excellent writer, but he's just another dude. I totally agree. No one to DFI, certainly. <laughs> but I respect him for that in a sense that he made it, he made his flaws so clear. You know, you don't yeah, he get, was very aware of his own humanity. But he wrote it down. And and he 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 um No, you're right. You're right. But but Crowley, you know, it's like he's you you wouldn't write down the fountain of hyacinth, you know, or some of the shit. He he wrote it all down. That's why we know. Because he wrote it down, you know. We have secondary accounts, things like that. But we never would have. Yeah, where's magical retirement? Yeah. So I respect yeah, him for that. Yeah. I respect him for that. I don't think people. I think people miss the point, though. And I think that he, he, at, at times he was trying to get people to not emulate him. And you know, he says, you know, everyone should cut their own path through the the the, the undergrowth. But people obviously did. So, and he surely went in and out of you know, abusiveness and not, you know, there's parts where he's being very lucid and parts where he's clearly just trying to milk when he out of people and things like that. So, mm-hmm. but he's just an older dude. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Okay. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Much appreciated. So you're in a good, you're in a good, you're in a very good spot. Choose wisely. <laughs> Noted. <laughs>